The events of this past week have been very trying ones for our commonwealth and our nation. The beautiful city of Charlottesville, a place that many people here are familiar with and many people have even resided in for a period of time while at UVA, became the unfortunate host of a neo-Nazi white supremacist rally and the predictably ensuing riot this last weekend. We see the kind of ugliness represented by the neo-Nazis and it's hard to know where to even begin. One can denounce ideas like racism and fascism. That's easy enough, very few people agree with them, but it can be difficult to discern how our Christian faith should specifically shape our witness against these kinds of events. I admit that I was at somewhat of a loss on that count as I watched the, week, the events of last weekend unfold. But God, through his church, has a wonderfully providential way of giving light in the midst of our difficulties. Because in this past week, there were three things in the liturgical life of the church, and a fourth in the local life of our church that spoke more or less directly to the ugly problems of people valorizing the Nazis and other racist ideas. The first came on Monday, right after the events in Charlottesville. On that day, August the 14th, the church celebrated the martyrdom of St. Maximilian Kolbe, a Polish priest and Franciscan friar who died at the hands of the Nazis in the concentration camp at Auschwitz. The circumstances of Father Kolbe's martyrdom was that while he was a prisoner in the concentration camp, some other prisoner escaped. The commandant of the camp, wanting to dissuade other escape attempts, decreed that 10 prisoners would be starved to death as reprisal for the escapee. 10 men were chosen at random, and Father Colby was not among them. But as the unlucky men were being herded away, one of them cried out to the guards, my wife, my children. Moved with pity, Father Colby offered to the guards to go in this man's place. Locked in a cell together, Father Colby led the other nine victims in prayer and songs, especially to Our Lady. They died one by one, but in surprisingly serene peace. The Nazis themselves were amazed. Father Colby's group didn't descend into the mad screaming and shouting typical of other men who were starved and dehydrated to death in this way. Even more amazing was that after two weeks, Father Colby and three others were still alive. So the Nazi guards gave them poisonous injections to end the whole affair. Now, as the church considered the canonization of Father Colby over the subsequent decades, there was no question that he had lived a holy and saintly life, including his death, which had been a profound witness to Christian charity. But there was a question as to whether Father Colby could be properly considered a martyr since he was not explicitly killed in odium fidei, in other words, in hatred of the faith. Yet in declaring him not just a saint, but also a martyr, Pope John Paul II recognized that Father Colby's sacrificial death was a form of witnessing to the faith that constituted genuine Christian martyrdom. Precisely because, as St. Thomas Aquinas long ago observed, any human good, for which one willingly accepts death insofar as it is referred to God may be the cause of martyrdom. Father Colby's example reminds us as Christians that we cannot segregate the life of faith from the concerns of the common good of all persons. 
It's what is at the heart of what it means to say that we as Catholics are pro-life. The unity and equality of the human family that racism or Nazism or many other things denies, that is what is implicitly infirmed in the idea that Christ sacrificed himself on the cross for the salvation of all. That's no less a part of the faith than any of the more explicit doctrines or teachings of the church. Indeed, all of the teachings of the church presuppose that equality. As St. Paul said, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is not male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The second providential celebration that we experienced in the life of the church this last week was the Assumption of Our Lady. That Mary was assumed bodily into heaven at the end of her life gives us a hint of our destiny that we await in the resurrection. The Assumption tells us that our bodies are truly holy things, not mere appendages to our souls. It follows from that, then, that we cannot disrespect or consider someone a lesser form of human being because of their race or their nationality or some other irrelevant characteristic. Because in creating that body for that person, whatever it looks like, God intends for that body to inhabit not just this world, but the kingdom to come, that he will inaugurate at the end of all eternity. The third thing that I think God providentially provided for us in the wake of Charlottesville are the readings for this very Sunday that we just heard. All of them speak so eloquently of Christ inaugurating a new dispensation in which the historic division between Jew and Gentile is overcome. Thus says the Lord, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Too often at moments like this, we get caught up in debating the relative merits of monuments, of presidents, of protesters and counter-protesters. These are the political sinkholes that the devil wants us to get caught up in. Everyone retreats into their own little ideological camp. Fewer people are asking the more important question. How is it that we can all live together in peace and dignity? What is it that people can do that might actually contribute to a genuine rec reconciliation over the things that so painfully divide us. And finally, more locally, we received the sad news on Wednesday that Bishop DiLorenzo of the Diocese of Richmond had died. I don't know how alert he would have been to the news in his final days, but how sad that one of the last major things he might have been, going, he might have been aware of going on in his diocese were the awful events in Charlottesville. But I bring up Bishop DiLorenzo as an example of the universality of the church. The good bishop was an Italian-American son of the great city and archdiocese of Philadelphia, a place that, especially in his youth, just lived and breathed that old-school ethnic Catholicism of so many East Coast cities. But in his Episcopal career, he served first as the bishop of Honolulu and then as the bishop of Richmond two dioceses whose cultural, ethnic, and religious landscapes were so different from his home city of Philadelphia. But in order for a bishop to truly lead a diocese, he has to come to love the people and the cultures that he has given spiritual charge over, even if those people are very different from himself and from the types of people that he might have grown up with. To step into those new places and to assume the role of shepherd for these new people requires a lot. Patience, humility, charity, sensitivity, 
a willingness to learn, and a deep understanding of the universal human condition. Things that all of us as Christians would do well to emphasize in these times of division. And remember that like most bishops, Bishop DiLorenzo didn't start that process of leading those different dioceses until the age of 52 in Honolulu, and then again at the age of 62 in Richmond. Ages at which most men are usually more content to stick to doing what they already know. That's part of the beauty and the wisdom of the church. By her universality, she calls us out of the kind of parochialism and narrow-mindedness that can breed racism and hatred or indifference to others, because our faith transcends any one cultural or nationalistic context. That's certainly a gift that we can experience right here and now at St. John's, as we are fortunate to have with us Father Alphonse and Father Yanush. Speaking with them, we get a sense of some of the rich diversity of the church in other parts of the world. But we can also see how the essentials of the Catholic faith can and must unite us as all one people under God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.